Hey, Andy Portuna here, and I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to Connect and Move Radio. If you are a licensed practitioner, such as a massage therapist, athlete trainer, acupuncturist, physical therapist, etc., who believes in treating a person as a whole, enjoys spending one-on-one time providing hands-on care, and loves helping people improve their confidence, their movement, and facilitate the body's inner healing, then I have the course for you. The Holistic Movement-Based Practitioner Course is a mentorship-style course with a three-day live workshop and remote mentorship where we dive into practical assessment and manual therapy skills, movement programming for performance, and energy meditation work. You can find more information in the description at the bottom of this podcast. If you're interested in being part of this immersive educational experience, then take the time right now to sign up. This course is only open to six students, and there's an application and interview process to make sure that this course is right for you. We currently have an active waitlist, so if you're interested, you can send an email to andy at myorenew.com. Thanks again for listening, and enjoy this episode. Hold up. Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and today we're going to be talking about the differences between working out and training and then promoting strength and athlete development. Today's guest is Matthew Ibrahim, the co-owner, director of strength conditioning and internship coordinator at TD Athletes Edge in Salem, Massachusetts. He has been invited to guest speaker nationally in over 10 U.S. states, which was highlighted by his presentations at Google headquarters, Stanford University, Equinox, and Lululemon, in addition to guest speaking internationally in Milan, Italy. Currently, he is finishing up his master's degree at Rocky Mountain University, which has a direct track into a PhD in, hum- in human sports performance. Matthew, welcome to the show, bud. Andy, thank you so much for having me on, and I uh, look forward to diving in, and, and I really enjoy these type of podcasts and chats because it allows us to not only kind of like we were alluding to before the episode, kind of get to know each other a little bit better and not just kind of sit behind a, a phone and a screen. We get to kind of learn about each other and, you know, just talk about some of the current happenings and, you know, strength and conditioning, sports rehab, sports performance and all this type of thing. So this is fun. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to have you on. So, I mean, Matt, go ahead and just, I mean, tell us your, your story. Tell us your background and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, man, I uh, I think, you know, the big thing that I have realized after being in the field now for a little bit over a decade is, you know, it's pretty common that most strength coaches and professionals in the in the field of health, fitness, performance, uh, sports medicine, sports performance, athletic development, training, or what have you, a lot of us, we all share in some way, shape, or form a commonality of going through struggles going through frustrations, going through failures, going through making mistakes, and then learning from all of these areas and growing and developing along the way. So I think kind of the long and short of my story is, like anyone else, your, your typical undergraduate degree, exercise and health science. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't ac- as academically driven early on, and I didn't do as well. I didn't perform it as well as I'd like to. Um, I wasn't as as driven as I am now, and so uh, messed around. Grades were not great, and uh, I failed a ton of courses. Um, I almost, I, was, I got put on uh, academic probation at one point. Um, luckily, uh, someone was looking out for me. I don't know who, I don't know why, but um, they were, and I made it back in the program. Um, ended up getting an internship. Luckily, again, you know things happen in the oddest ways, but luckily I got an internship at Mike Boyle's strength and conditioning in Woburn, Mass., which is, I mean, known in our field as one of the meccas 
So Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate in a variety of ways. And, you know, if I could look back at my entire story now sitting here, you know, over over a decade deep and, and, and really think about how many people, Andy, that I would have to thank for providing me with opportunities, um, putting mm-hmm. me in the right place at the right time, helping me out, supporting me, guiding me, teaching me, coaching me, educating me. There's there are way too many people for me to thank, and I, and I am indebted to all of these people from from the start to even to right now. So um, I failed a ton. I've made a ton of mistakes. I, I messed up a ton, but luckily, um, somewhere deep down, there was there was you know there was some drive, and you know I ended up kind of getting the train back on the train track, so to speak. Um, I applied to uh, several doctor of physical therapy programs for a few years in a row. Um, uh, in terms of right when I had, was about to graduate my with my with my bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. um, I graduated with that. Took some night courses in terms of trying to get some prereqs done to get into DPT school because I wanted to get in that real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't get in for three years in a row, but I kept all those letters of uh, those letters of I guess decline, if you will, or you know, right. basically them not letting me in on my computer desk and they served as a way for me to use that as fuel and fire to kind of, you know, keep me intrinsically or internally motivated rather. So that helped. Um, looking back at it now, I don't have, I don't have any regrets at all. Um, you know, I think everyone has their own path and I think that, and kind of similar to what you were saying, you know, right when we started here, everyone has their own path. Everyone goes about doing things a certain way, but ultimately we kind of all land where we're supposed to land and we all meet up, you know, where we're supposed to meet. And so um, I don't have any regrets at all. Um, I, I, I've had the academic bug for a while. I've always wanted to, you know, after not getting into DPT school, I got my license in massage therapy. I'm still licensed to, as a practitioner. I don't use it. So I don't provide any manual therapy. I still pay the mm-hmm. yearly <laughs> yearly fee just to have the license because, I mean, you know, I, I went to the schooling and I still have it as a skill set if right. and when I need to, but I don't use it. It's currently on the back burner. Um, I know way too many skilled practitioners, LMTs, ATCs, chiros, physical therapists that are way better than me in terms of the manual therapy and the rehab side. And although I can kind of speak that, uh, that language and understand that language and utilize that lens, I prefer to do it in such a way that is uh, in a facilitating way as a strength coach and in, mm. in an assisting way as a strength coach. I'd rather... And I know that I do way better at being the strength conditioning coach for my athletes and coordinating and collaborating and being a teammate of local clinicians and practitioners to work together as a cohesive unit. Think of it as athletic development or athletic performance team. So I think that I, you know, I sit at, at, in that chair at the table in a, in a much better way form and I can serve my athletes in a much better way there. So, you know, after kind of realizing all of this and, you know, obtaining all these little degrees or certifications or what have you, I'm like, you know what, I would love to get into, back into academia and learn and continue to be a student of, of the field and of the game. So um, I'm finishing up my master's degree at Rocky Mountain. And then I'm, my, my hope is to be accepted into their PhD program, which has a specific track in human and sport performance. Um, it's a great program. I, I love the, you know, the challenge every week of how do I manage my time properly, you know, with, you know, co-owning a gym, being the director, coordinator, all of our intern uh, student body, uh, being a student as well. And how do I do all these things? So I look forward to the challenge. I think it makes you a, a good, I think it builds character when you have the ability to think critically and be a good manager of time, because mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, every mm-hmm. day is chopped up into different blocks. And I know this is probably the, the OCD or the, 
ATD attention to detail side of me, but everything I do is from a time management standpoint and it helps me. So it helps me when I, you know, when we coordinate training programs, when we can coordinate our athletes in the facility, when we space things out, when I plan out when I'm doing my homework or putting together my thesis or whatever, or what have you. So um, I enjoy that process and, you know, I'm super fortunate, man. I, I get to work quote unquote work um, in a right. facility where there are so many smart um you know, skilled, great professionals, coaches, practitioners in the same facility that I get to learn from each day. So I don't know where I heard this, Andy, but I heard it a while back. And somewhere along the lines, Justin Timberlake, which we all know is a pretty popular um, person in Absolutely. the world, and he's multi-skilled, he was getting interviewed. And I remember him saying something along the lines of, you know, I go to work every single day acting as if I'm the student and I'm trying and I'm trying to relearn things every single day over and over again. We see a similar um, notion or, or, or kind of thought process in the movie Gyro Dreams of Sushi. Uh, I'm sorry, Gyro, J-I-R-O, Dreams of Sushi. And the biggest thing in that movie is Gyro, the, the gentleman who's roughly 80, 90 years old, his line, his famous line is, I just want to make good sushi every single day of my life my customers and, mm-hmm. I th- and I think back and say wow like that is so simple yet it's so pure and so so just it's to the point and, and that's how I've tried to you know gauge my uh, try to you know position my thinking and the way I do things on a daily basis so um, again I'm so fortunate I get to learn every day I'm the student I, I get to be the fly on the wall I get to ask questions I get to be you know I get to be questioned I get I get to be challenged and I get to be put in tough positions and I think most folks, are afraid to be have their their thoughts and their beliefs and their philosophies and and you know oh here's how we do things here's my principle or here's my system people are afraid to be questioned and i firmly believe that the only way to grow and develop both professionally and personally is to have healthy conversations to have healthy you know thought provoking challenging conversations hard conversations you know, these are the type of conversations that you can build, learn, grow, and develop from. So I look forward to it, man. I, I am in such a great position. I'm so fortunate. I'm so lucky. Um, and I get to, you know, be around these people, this, the staff, the community, our clients, our athletes on a daily basis. And, you know, I love being here and it's such a, such a great opportunity. That's, I mean, you said a whole lot and I'm going to try to break it down a little bit because I think the listeners don't, um, or maybe they do, maybe they do, maybe I'm underestimating them, but I think it's important um, to kind of review some of the things you said. Like one thing uh, you mentioned is uh, you weren't a good student, but here you are going to a master's program and thinking about a PhD uh, program, right? Um, mm-hmm. your, your, your experience in academia maybe just wasn't, maybe you weren't ready to you know as far as to to deal with all the academia stuff or maybe certain things weren't about thought-provoking enough for you but you got to a point where you had an issue with Mike Boyle that you're like whoa I'm learning so much it it probably was your turning point in in your career right as far as like all the stuff that you want to learn and then you tried to go back and do doctor at PT you tried for a while got denied multiple times and used those denials as uh, fuel to the fire, right? A lot of people will get to that point and be like, ah, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. If I can't do this, then whatever. I, I guess I, I'm not, you know, made out to do this. But you paid your own way, Matt. You know, yeah, and I, man, think, I, <laughs> I don't and know I, how, but <laughs> you did, you did. And I think that's important to note because a lot of people, one, uh, would have stopped at 
college or wherever you're at, uh, you know, not doing too well with, with uh, school, right? They would have stopped there and be like, oh, I guess school isn't for me and pivoted and gone to do something else. So you're like, you know what? Let me try something else. You, you tried another avenue as far as your internship. Uh, and you wanted to seek a little bit more information, a little bit more um, knowledge. You try to do PT. It wasn't for you. You know, it just didn't work out. But actually, it helped you pivot to where you were actually supposed to be. And, and I think exactly very similar to how you think, right? I, I'm always the one saying you're exactly where you need to be at the right time, right? There's, if it takes you 10 years to be where you're at, that was perfect timing. If it takes somebody else two years, that was perfect timing. For them, it was perfect timing for you. Everybody has their own path like we talked about. So I think lining that up and lighting that up is uh, uh, super important. And you, and you mentioned something that, one, I get asked by a lot, by a lot of strength coaches, hey, should I do LMT? And then the opposite, LMTs ask me or licensed massage therapists ask me, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing strength coach. I was like, yes, and yes, do both. You know, strength coaches, great skill set to be a massage, a massage therapist, a manual therapist. A manual therapist and massage therapist, a great skill set to be a strength coach. But you took it as more like a, a tool and a weapon to have just in case, but also to have that common language, which you don't see a lot. Usually when somebody has those two certifications, they're using it to uh, basically using it every day, maybe trying to uh, provide more service within their practice. But you said, I'm really good at the strength thing. And this massage and manual therapist uh, sector of my scope of practice that I have, if I need to, I will. But I know a handful of people that are much better than me that can provide a little more service or, or I guess, better service. And I can really focus on the strength conditioning uh, aspect of it, which is super awesome. A lot of times people think because they have the tools available, they have to do it. Like, oh, I'm a manual therapist. I have to do this. Or I'm a strength coach. and have to do this. A lot of times just knowing the right person is just better. It's just as good or better. You know what I mean? So I think you having that approach is super refreshing. You know, I haven't haven't heard of somebody having that or doing that. Yeah, man, I, I, you know, I agree. I think that, you know, don't get me wrong. I think that there are great people out there that they can be a great strength coach as well as a great clinician. And you know what? Mm -hmm. If you can do that, more power to you. I'm by no means am I saying that's impossible. I I think there are so many great people that can be that hybrid. But what I realized is that, I know I'm a high energy guy at times, but I also know how to use low energy in certain situations with certain clients, kind of, you know, KYP, know your personnel, know know your athlete. But I think it comes down to, you know, you have your seat at the dinner table, if you will, and you just Mm -hmm. have to know where do I fit best on the team? The biggest thing I try to do is how do I, how can I best serve each individual athlete as a member of the team, as of the performance team? And so mm-hmm. when I look through that lens, it helps me think critically and self-reflect, which I think is really crucial as you get further into the field is how can you really analyze yourself and say, you know what, how can I best serve these athletes? Mm-hmm. I know that I have the skill of manual therapy. Am, am I great? Probably not. Am I, can I get by and do solid? Sure. But do I think that I'm a better coach? I know that I am. I know that I can educate and teach with that hat in a much better way, much more effective way. It's probably the better way of terming it. Not good, not great. Effectively. Effectively put them in safe positions. Make sure that we're prescribing and dosing exercise appropriately per the evidence, per the research, per the literature, et cetera, et cetera. So that has helped me as I self-reflect and realize, you know what? Because at at one point, Andy, I was doing LMT and strength coaching Mm part-time as a quote-unquote full-time job for about – probably about nine to 12 months. And I, and I was doing okay, but I just wasn't as satisfied. 
I knew I could give more and do better. So that's what made me make the switch. But I had to go through that process to understand what it felt like. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because sometimes people ask these questions to try to, um, to try to, what's the word I'm trying to find? To try to avoid going through those pains, right? Going through those uncomfortable nine months or maybe not uncomfortable. Maybe it was just like, you know what? I like these two uh, aspects of what I'm doing, but I really like coaching. And I think I'm more effective here. I'm going to leave manual therapy to, uh, you know, other practitioners that I can refer to. But I think sometimes people, I mean, again, us as on social media, I'm sure you get asked all the time. Hey, you know, I'm really thinking about doing this. What do you think? Um, and a lot of times I have to tell people, hey, like what I went through might be different, but I think uh, for you, you might have to go through it or maybe um, ask a couple other people. But sometimes going through it is just as much of a learning opportunity than not going through it. You know what I mean? So exactly. I think, you know, I think I think people look at mistakes as like this negative. Mistakes are super powerful. Like you mm -hmm. mentioned, um, uh, being able to learn, right? Being able to grow, being able to uh, be asked these hard questions and maybe you might not know them. Right. Or being uh, just because you might be, uh, you know, the, the head strength coach and you have your interns asking you questions or you are the head therapist and you have your interns or student uh, uh, student clinicians or student uh, therapists asking you questions and you may not know them, but it builds um, your repertoire and, and, and builds your learning your, and it gives you more learning opportunity. You know, I think sometimes um, when we get scared of that learning opportunity and, and, and providing or having those mistakes or not knowing um it kind of hinders you know hinders us and our ability to learn but exactly um, i agree you mentioned something else which i thought was super awesome i never heard that atd versus ocd see i always say you know hey i'm sorry for my ocd ness and you know, i like everything like in detail whatever but atd is so much better <laughs> well <laughs> attention to detail has a lot better uh sound than ocd yeah, man, I uh, I just got tired of make, getting made fun of, to be honest with you. Right. <laughs> Every single facility I've been since day one, I've always had this thing where, you know, I, I like things neat. I like things organized. I think it's timely. It looks good. It comes off to the customer, the consumer, the athlete, the client, the patient, the human in front of you in a good way mm -hmm. because it says to them, you know, they come correct. They're neat. They're, they come proper. Everything is it's, mm -hmm. or, it's organized and it's, it, it's in order. Because if they're doing that that way, I'd imagine they're going to train me and, tr and treat me the right way. You know, my, I firmly believe how you do one thing is how you do everything. So my thought yeah. is if I'm not lazy in one area, I'm not going to be lazy in another area. So if you were to come to our facility, you'll realize that day one, our interns, they're on it like a hawk in terms of how we want the, the equipment looking. Right? What do we want things put away? The numbers facing out. And I'd imagine most people in our field of work are pretty much along these lines of you know think, having things organized for the most part and right. in, in in orderly fashion. So I don't think that we are in the minority in that sense. Hopefully not. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so either. But I thought I've never heard ATD before, and I'm definitely gonna take that and run with it and make sure I mention your name every time I use it. <laughs> um, Matt, let's let's get in. What I really want to get into now, now that we heard your story and heard your basically how you came to be uh, where you're at now, or how you got to where you're at, is talk to me about the difference between working out and training. Yeah, man, I think um, you know. All right, point, uh, example one. You know, person A says to person B, "Hey, you want to get want to get a workout in tonight? Okay, great. I'll meet you there. Let's you know, we'll, we'll clang and bang. We'll toss up. We'll toss around some weights. Maybe maybe get a sweat in. Do some buys and tries. And, All right, cool, man. Let's go grab a shake. 
to me, and a workout is unplanned. It's not organized. It's not structured. It's not routine based. There's no specific goals that you're looking to obtain over time through adaptations or, or et cetera, et cetera. So the difference is training. There's an assessment that takes place, an individualized assessment. It looks at injury history. It looks at you know range of motion testing. You know it might look at active versus passive. It might look at some movement-based screening, uh, you know, on the floor, you know, your basic human movement patterns, a squat, a hinge, a one leg, a stability balance test, you know, trunk control, you know, uh, glute, uh, glute strength, uh, you know, look at the big toe flexibility, look at the calves, look at the, you know, shoulder, shoulder overhead range of motion, you know, how do they, how do they, what, what does their gait look like through analysis? You know, how do they run? How do they move? How do they lunge? How do they, you know, how do they, move without load right you have to see what's under the hood of the car before we tell you hey look here's some things that we can help you fix or, or i'm sorry work on to help the you know the, the engine run more smoothly if you will so um i think another big part of the assessment is is moving with load so grab a, 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 a you know a light to moderate uh, kettlebell or dumbbell go through some goblet squat range of motions and squats and see how those look do some kettlebell elevated deadlift off blocks see how those look stuff of that nature once we've done that, now we can properly build a roadmap or a training program that is specific to your goals, your injury history, what you're trying to achieve with the, you know, the four-week phase or the four-week program phase by phase. And then after each phase, whether you're coming once, twice, three times, four times a week on a structured, tra individualized training program that you know, involves upper body training, lower body training, core training, conditioning, warm-up recovery, and, and that is, you know, organized and it's structured in such a way that it's complementary of each other from day to day. Once the four weeks are up, okay, great. Let's have a conversation. You know, how, how did that volume do for you? Was that too much? Was that too little? How's your body feeling? You want to check in with the athlete, check on readiness, check on, you know, load management, all those types of conversations you can have in terms of, you know, how they're feeling with, with the overall volume, the dosage. Are we overreaching? Are we underreaching? And those type of conversations we can have. Now we're structured. Now we're organized. So in a nutshell, you know, working out, not as structured, organized, training, organized, structured, and routine-based. That's funny you say that because um, I talk about, especially with uh, patients here, the difference between moving intentionally, right, and just doing it just for the heck of it, right? Mm -hmm. There's, um, And I think a big discretion between working out and training is intention, right? Mm -hmm. Working out can just be uh, you just showing up and throwing stuff around or throwing stuff around or picking up certain things and trying to figure out what, what exercise you want to do, but... Like you mentioned, training is definitely methodical. It's definitely structured. There's there's a, a what, why, and when type of uh, structure to to what you're trying to do. And and personally, when I started working out more often, uh, I got very lazy, and I would just okay if I found ten minutes, ten or fifteen minutes after the end of a of a workday, uh, I write some things up and and work out. But what I started noticing is if I prepared it before, you know, ahead of time with the intention of doing certain things, certain movements and working on them, progressing week after week, it made it more of a habit. It made it more um, consistent. So, and I can see that personally, how that would uh, correspond definitely for sure. So workout versus training. Working out is more um, just kind of winging it. And then training is more methodical, has assessments in place, uh, in place and uh, is intentional, has this roadmap. Uh, that someone like you as a coach would um, provide for for an athlete, correct? Exactly. And then my next thing I wanted to talk about as well was 
promoting strength and or should I say strength and athletic development and 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 making it more digestible rather than just throwing scientific you know jargon to to this athlete but making it more digestible for this person to be able to understand why they're doing certain things and why things are putting are being put in place can you go a little bit more into that absolutely so i mean you look at your classic you know <clears throat> dumbbell goblet squat client has a dumbbell mm -hmm. in a vertical position um you know nestled on their chest while holding it on either side with their hand kind of cupped over it and then going down in, in, into a squat and so sometimes you'll see obviously you know knee valgus knees caving in it's a common thing we see no one needs to freak out it's, it's quite normal as long as we can properly coach and educate them out of that now you know example a you know hey andy you know your knees are really caving into knee valgus you really want to watch out for that knee knockedness not a great thing for your knees your hips are going to explode right mm -hmm. also we could talk about some you know negative language that we don't want to use with our athletes right the big the whole conversation of you know making sure we're using proper terms proper language proper words to positively impact them and empower them mm -hmm. example b right and you're doing a great job man give them a positive compliment sandwich Let's try to get those knees over the midline, the, the midline of your knees over the second and third toe, that middle toe, kind of that region, so that they track nice and smoothly over the knees. You can go down into a, a nice squat and come right back up nice and tall. How does that feel? Okay, great, awesome job. Give them a fist bump, walk away. Right? So mm -hmm. it's completely unnecessary in the majority of coach to athlete or coach to client interactions to use scientific jargon. Now, there may be one client. In every 20 or 30 who really wants to talk like that with yeah. with anatomy terms yeah. and hey if that's the case have a ball if they request that i mean have a ball right. but the majority of them they don't need that plus it's inefficient and also the best part about most coaching situations they may not even require verbal communication it might just be body language or a physical cue which i think is often underappreciated and underutilized we always think we want to oh we want to wow them with our terms what about being quick and efficient and making sure they get the point and then move on so that they are efficient in the process and that they're learning? Because as you know, I'm sure every single human being learns in a different way through different mm -hmm. reference points, different cues, and different ways of, of, of you know soaking up information. So what is the most effective coaching tool or cue that you can utilize at that time for that each specific individual athlete? You need to find that per each individual athlete. The same way we program exercises – Again, for each individual athlete. It's kind of funny, right? Because we all want to make individualized training programs or individualized, you know, exercise-based, you know, programs and training programs, you know, performance-based stuff. But what about individualized, uh, individualizing our coaching cues, right? You have a wide tool belt around your waist. You have a hammer, a Phillips screwdriver, a flathead screwdriver, a, a wrench, right? You have all these tools. But what about using each one at the right time? That's the key. That's coaching, right? Knowing the difference between... Here's a bunch of scientific minutia versus here's the one thing you need right now. Then I'm gonna then I'm, we're gonna move on, right? That's mm -hmm. the difference. And and I, and I also think too that sometimes I find that especially early on when I started uh, coaching more movement with my patients, uh, it became what I started realizing less was more, right? But earlier on it was like you try to correct every little thing, like hey here, hey here, you become this this poker poke at the knee, poke mm -hmm. at the shoulder, poke at this, right? Um, same thing as trying to be more efficient with uh, verbal cues, right? But I think sometimes too, like you mentioned, is each person has their own learning opportunity, learning mm -hmm. journey. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes providing less, even though it's not perfect, right? We, we talked about ATD, right? Attention to detail, which somebody like us, right? We When we're working with somebody, you want everything to be perfect. But sometimes just good is perfect for that, mm -hmm. for that person at that particular time. 
right? Because then if you go ahead and give them all these cues, right? Maybe the first three you gave them, like you mentioned with the with the knee going right just, you know, in midline, uh, maybe just give me a couple cues, gives them the the opportunity, right? That that uh, opportunity to learn, to kind of connect what they need to connect at that uh, specific moment and just letting it be, right? I think sometimes too, we get we get too involved in trying being too perfect sometimes um, because I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? And movement is definitely not going to be automatically be cemented into somebody's brain neurologically um, after one hour, or however long you have with this athlete or patient, you know, exactly. I think sometimes, you know, opening up that conversation to just letting them, sometimes even letting them fail, right? You mentioned about mm-hmm. um, uh, assessing them through a uh, load, right? Sometimes giving them a little higher load so they can feel the difference, uh, like what right and wrong is, is sometimes enough information that they need rather than you telling them, oh, no, oh, no, oh, oh, no, torso up, chest up, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Sometimes uh, it's better to be efficient than to be perfect. Exactly. Especially these younger athletes in terms of, you know, if we're talking about long-term athletic development, some of these younger kids, you know, what are the biggest things we want to work on, right? We want to work on motor control, right? Neurological development, like that takes time. These young kids, they don't even, for the most part, understand how their body moves in space. So if we Mm -hmm. want to help them achieve some of these goals and tasks, it's really important to put them in a a really rich learning environment, right? So whether it's language, whether it's verbal, whether it's uh, physical cueing, whatever it may be, or maybe they're learning from from seeing another one of their friends or athletes, mm-hmm. we need to put them in rich learning environments that they can acquire those motor, those you know, those, those, they can acquire these skills and all those motor control drills, et cetera, et cetera. So by doing that, we're allowing them to learn. And yes, you're right, right? Let them fail within a safe and effective format. Obviously, not exactly. under heavy loads. But if, they, right. you know, if they're doing, let's say, for example, a bodyweight lateral lunge and, and their knee's caving a little bit, no one's going to die. Like Their knee's not going to explode. It's okay right. to let them work through that for a few reps. Walk in a little bit later. Hey, great job. Give them a fist bump. Again, positive compliments saying will work great. Uh, give mm-hmm. them a fist bump, right? Show them what's going on and then fist bump, walk away and then watch them, you know, perform magic, right? So, mm-hmm. and I think the other thing too is we have to, because we're talking about health behavior change, right? A class that in undergrad, I know that I, you know, poo-pooed or laughed at, which I'm looking back <laughs> and saying now, like, wow, like I was such an idiot and I right. really missed the boat on some golden nuggets and some really, um, you know, valuable stuff that I think that we, and I know I especially, we, you know, we use it on a daily basis now here at the facility. So mm-hmm. how can we raise someone's level of self-efficacy and how they think about themselves and how they, how they imagine or envision their ability to complete a, a specific task or, or acquire a certain skill? And so this is, I mean, in my opinion, at the crux or at the nucleus of what we're trying to achieve from an athletic development and skill acquisition standpoint with our younger athletes and really athletes of all levels, but especially younger, mm-hmm. because as we know, they're much more impressionable, right? They're, they're not as hardwired or as set in stone as an older athlete. When I say young to old, I'm talking about a, a kid who's maybe eight to 18 years old versus someone who's older, let's say in their fifties or sixties or seventies. Again, mm-hmm. all humans are athletes, right? We know this, but you know, we have, we have a little bit better of a chance to change the course or the path of their development from, from an athletic and performance standpoint uh, when they're younger. So if we can do so, let's do that, right? Let's do it properly. So they can blaze a path of each individual human movement pattern, squat, hip hinge, single leg, you know, vertical, horizontal, push and pull, et cetera, et cetera, in a nice, effective, uh, effective rather, and efficient format. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think you mentioned something soup. I mean, again, we talk about psychosocial model uh, in in rehab in the health uh, care uh, industry and realm. But this is very similar, if not exactly the same thing mm-hmm. you find in, in uh, strength conditioning and athlete development. Right. Um, this positive talk, right? This positive, uh, positive self-image, this confidence, and you get uh, from building strength, from building movement, from progression, from interactions you have with your coach and your teammates, right? That that doesn't just last that hour. That doesn't just last that training block. That lasts a lifetime, right? You create. Uh, you mentioned health, right? You, you create this newfound relationship um, with your body, with yourself, with uh, taking care of yourself and people around you. So if your coach is giving you this positive feedback, it isn't just drilling into the ground, but actually teaching you, you know what I mean? Giving you teaching points and helping you grow, right? Mm-hmm. Giving you some uh, some room to make mistakes because a lot of times that's where we learn the most. Um, I guess my question to you is, how young is too young to start, Matt? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, I, there's a lot of literature and research out there that talks about the positive uh, benefits and effects of, you know, kids at younger ages, you know, performing in a variety of sports. Obviously, we want to avoid the whole, you know, uh, single sport. I'm forgetting the term here, but, you know, when you play one sport and only one sport for your entire childhood and teenage years, uh, early sport specialization, I apologize. But um, you want to avoid that, obviously. But, you know, movement variability, providing a, a, a giant, you know, exercise menu if you will or movement library Mm -hmm. per each athlete if you will but i don't know that there's a specific age but what i do know is when we get that question from one of our um you know parents of one of the young athletes that wants to sign up we really Mm -hmm. have to kind of gauge number one is this young athlete going to treat this like a playground where it's not really structured they're kind of hanging off the walls or are they going to take it serious are they going to build character is there going to be intent and purpose behind each repetition? Are they going to treat it like a structured and formatted and routine-based um, you know, routine or program? Because if that's the case, we bring them on in. We've, have, mm-hmm. we've had and we currently have kids as young as eight and nine years old in here. And as long mm-hmm. as they treat it with structure and format and routine, come on in, right? And let's say they're not quite ready yet from a, a maturity level or standpoint – no problem at all. Bring them back when they're ready. So we're, mm-hmm. we don't like to turn people away. As long as it's taken seriously, we're totally cool with it. So I don't know that I have an exact answer, but I can tell you, we, you know, I've trained and we currently train here, you know, kids as, as young as eight, nine years old. And so I'm sure, I'm even sure there's probably kids as early as six or seven years old that could do well with it as well. But again, mm-hmm. it, it depends on the format of the training program. It depends on, you know, what you're doing. Obviously, you know, strength training, as we know, is, is help, helpful from a variety of standpoints, whether it's building lean muscle mass, developing quality tissue health, joint health, um, you know, ne- from a neurological standpoint, cardiovascular health, you know, bone mineral density, long-term health, you know, vitality and all these wonderful things. And, you know, building resiliency and durability to help mitigate or reduce the likelihood of injury and obviously enhance performance and all those wonderful derivatives. But, we also know that it builds self-confidence, right? And builds mm-hmm. self-efficacy and how they perceive themselves, right? You, I mean, we have so many young kids who come in, young teenagers, and I'm sure anyone on our staff can, can attest to this. You know, they come in and they don't, you know, their head's down. They're not really too confident. They don't really fill out their clothes as much as you want them to. Let's, let's use a, a young teenage boy for, for a better mm-hmm. example here. And, you know, he's kind of not too sure of himself. You, you could, his body language, you know, it, it literally just 
it verbalizes everything for you. You put right. them through a strength conditioning program. That's you know basic stuff. Nothing's crazy here. It's really basic. And he eats pretty well. And you know he eats and sleeps like an adult. And he trains hard two to three days a week with you know your general SNC program. It's probably a GPP program, right? It's basic stuff, right? And three or four months go by, and boom, right? His head is up when he comes in. Proud chest. He's confident. He looks you in the eye when he speaks. He's, his head's not down anymore. He walks with a little bit more of a swagger, right? So that's like the cool thing about strength and conditioning that you can give someone, right? It's almost like you're gifting someone the skill of strength, right? And so it, it's so cool to me, and it's so it's one of the reasons why I love what I, what I do, and I'm sure everyone in this field will say the same thing or something closely mm-hmm. related to it. You're in this field to serve and to give, right? We're giving and we're serving. We're helping these athletes uh, acquire the skill of strength, right? And, and conditioning and fitness and health and performance. And to be able to do that, and we're positioned in such a way, also we get to wear, you know, Lulu, Lululemon, Nike, and, 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 and a pair of sneakers all day, right? Like that we can, we right. can get by and get paid for it. The cool good, thing, right? yeah, it's pretty <laughs> great. I love it. It's just phenomenal. But, you know, we get, to, we get to give them these skills. And, and, and not only give them, but we're helping them achieve these tasks and achieve these skills. We're just guiding them and coaching them and educating them and teaching them along the process. They're the ones doing it, right? We're here to help them, right? I always liken what we do in our field as what Mickey did to Rocky in the Rocky series. And early on, if you're a big Rocky fan, I'm, I'm a big movie buff, so I love Rocky. But Rocky won, you know, Mickey was his guy. He was the guy in the corner. He's the corner man. He's, he's you know, we're here for him. But ultimately, Rocky's throwing those punches. Mm-hmm. I mean... Just to wrap this up, because I know you got to go, and, and then I'll review uh, everything we talked about real quick, and then we'll give uh, the listeners your contact and resources and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's like the saying goes, right? You teach a man how to fish, and they can fish a lifetime. You give somebody a fish, and they can only eat that one day. I mean, mm-hmm. strength training, movement coaching, health, um, guidance, however you want, whatever your discipline is, right? When you're serving a person, whether child, athlete, um, active individual, pro- active professional, when you actually give them um, a set of skills, in this case, a young athlete that has is more confident, understands movement, right, and can take that, right? It's really hard to unlearn something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that when, you have, when you have that with you, you can take that wherever, whether they continue to work out with you and train, sorry, train with you, um, and, you know, or they move on to the collegiate level, right? Everything they learn f- with you, they're going to carry over or whatever into their active life, whatever it is, right? Or an active professional that now uh, can now handle stress a lot better, can now has a better um, image, self-image when it comes to taking care of themselves, right? There's so many positive stuff that, it, that comes with being active, having a coach, having somebody to help you along the way that I think sometimes um, gets discarded when trying to make decisions. Or like exactly. the question I asked earlier on is um, when parents think about, oh, you know, my son or my daughter is too young to do that, right? I mean, you, you just mentioned there's, there's also martial artists that start at the age of like four. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and they're doing really well. Obviously, yeah. like you mentioned, in context, right? learning uh, the basics, learning um, how to move correctly and then load. Maybe you're not loading anything until later on or whatever it is, but just having that guidance. Again, it's much more than movement. It's much more than strength. Um, before I review um, kind of the, the little episode, I want to make sure that you kind of give or explain real quick to the listeners because we do have uh, a good amount of parents and good amount of uh, coaches that work with athletes. Um, when you mean basics, what do you mean? 
Yeah, basic human movement patterns, right? We all should possess some form, in some way, shape, or form, the ability to do a bilateral squat, right? Uh, a bilateral or two-leg bilateral, right? So two-leg, so a hip hinge uh, or, or deadlift, if you will. A single-leg strength uh, drill, whether it's a one-leg RDL, a split squat, uh, some sort of lunge, whether it's lateral, reverse, forward, or, or, or what have you. We should all possess the ability to do some sort of upper body, whether it's horizontal or vertical, push and pull. Carry weights, right? Trunk stability, anti you know, extension, flexion, rotation, rotation mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But also at some, at one point or another, n- not the worst thing in the world to be able to flex and extend our spine. Not, we're not, you know, we're not, you know, human beings are resilient and durable. So we can do some of these things again, within context and individualized approaches. But to me, you know, also sprinting, running, these are all basic human movement patterns that at one point or another, we should obtain and acquire these skills. Perfect. Perfect. And I think, again, I've mentioned things uh, before and other um, guests have mentioned similar stuff, but I think repeating it and I think hearing it from a different source and a different perspective is always, always valuable. Um, just to kind of wrap this up and review everything that we've gone through, Matt Ibrahim, or sorry, Ibrahim, um, went from health or as far as like now understanding where he wanted to go and academics wasn't really his thing, went through uh, Mike Bowles internships, really got lit up, fired up about uh, education and movement and coaching, uh, try to do the PT realm, uh, PT route, uh, denied three times, not a bad thing, right? Because it pivoted him into the, the direction that he's in now, which he is in love with, right? He himself says he was meant to be where he's at now. So sometimes where we envision ourselves sometimes, uh, or try to, what sometimes we plan to do, isn't always what we are meant to do. You know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. that is very a, a very good lesson to learn. Um, a, a professional that is double licensed as a strength coach and a massage therapist, but you know, really focuses on his wheelhouse, which is coaching, and uses manual therapy um, whenever as a need need case, right? Or, or whenever he needs. Uh, but also understands that being part of a team, right, a health team, a, a performance team, like he mentions, being uh, having a seat at the table. And making the athlete in the center of the patient or the client the center of that table and making sure any services or anything that that person and that athlete needs is uh, being taken care of, whether by him or by those that he can refer to is super important. Um, we talked about um, being okay with uh, mistakes and making sure that you are always learning, being a student forever and ever. Uh, we talked about the difference between working out and, and uh, training where working out is less structured, it's more uh, whimmy, where you're going on a whim and just kind of doing certain movements. Training is more methodical. There's assessments being placed. There's a roadmap um, for, you know, strategic uh, benefits and strategic goals. We also talked about strength uh, strength and athletic development, right, where sometimes less cues, less stimulus is probably better for the person to be able to learn and make some mistakes. Because at the end, like we mentioned, mistakes um, – are still a learning point, right? Within context, right? Mm-hmm. You're not just going to load them with uh, a truck full of weight, right? But maybe, you know, uh, complexity of movement or what have you. Um, but also, we also talked about is individualizing coaching, right? Individualizing coaching cues, right? Um, you individualize a program, but also depending on the athlete and the person, the client, the patient, you might have different cues for the exact same movement, exact same um, movement that you're trying to, to address. So, Understanding that it's super important. Think bigger picture, think efficiency. Um, and the last thing we were talking about is youth um, 
youth development, right? Uh, we asked the question, what is too young? What is too uh, early, right? And the question was, or the answer was, it really depends, right? And it depends on the context. It depends on what the person wants to work on. And most important that Matt talked about was maturity level. Because also the athlete has to be mature enough to understand that this is, um, it's still, you know, it still needs to be fun, but also uh, methodical, right? There has to be a plan. It's not just uh, a playground, mm-hmm. uh, what have you, right? There's structure, there's goals being placed with fun uh, interwined with it. Yep. Um, what else did I talk about? Self, uh, we talked about self-worth, confidence, um, health, right? Creating healthy habits. All those are super good um, and big time impacts when it comes to having um, this athletic and strength development programs or being a part of one or having a coach like Matt um, be a part of your performance team um, to guide you along the way. We talked about the basics of working out, right? Getting those athletes to understand what a squat is and how to do it, what a hip hinge or a deadlift and what uh, what that is and how to do it. Single length strength, like a reverse lunge, um, pushing, whether it's a push up or overhead press with the kettlebell, you know, making sure that you know how to do the basics really well and then, you know, uh, making complexities or loading after that. I mean, I think that was a pretty good review. Anything I missed, Matt? Man, that was – you caught it all. That was incredible. <laughs> I, tried, I tried my best. I'm trying to get you out of here as soon as possible. Um, what else? Last thing, how can we uh, – how can these listeners uh, reach out to you? How can they contact you if they want to train with you or they want to uh, work with you or I don't know? How can they get in contact? Yeah, yeah man, the simplest <laughs> thing is Instagram. Okay. You know, my first name, my last name, and then an underscore. So Matthew Ibrahim underscore. Um, you know, my website, you know, Matthew-Ibrahim.com. But probably Instagram's easiest. And something okay. I say all the time, and I mean it when I say this, um, I am more than happy to support, give back, educate, help in any way I can. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in paying it forward. And I, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I've been helped in way too many sh- uh, ways, shapes, or forms by so many phenomenal people in this field and also not in this field as well to not give back. So, um, uh, you know, anything I do to support and help reach out, I'm happy to uh, do what I can for you. Awesome. Awesome. Um, before you go, um, I have three questions and it's kind of a rapid fire. All right. And then you have to answer as quick as possible to, and obviously yes, truth, truthful as possible. Uh, favorite drink, Matt. Oh, wow. Drink being, uh, it can be alcohol or it can be just like juice or whatever. Whatever's on the top of your mind when I say favorite Probably drink. a cold brew, but if I had to drink alcohol, probably an IPA. IPA. Awesome. Favorite movie? Oh, wow. This is, Jesus. I'm putting you on spot right here. Uh, the Rocky series. I mean, you can't, you can't go wrong with the Rocky series. Okay, fair enough. Spider-Man or Superman? Pick. Oh, Spider-Man. So much more agile. Wow. Spider-Man. Okay. Powerful, too. Okay. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And then before we go, I want to say thank you, uh, Matt. I really appreciate it for spending the time and taking the time out of your day to hop on the uh, podcast and just share with us your story, your your approach to strength and development, um, your uh, basically your philosophy when it comes to working with clients and making an impact with those that you work with. So I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time. Andy, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. This was so much fun and uh, thank you for everyone for listening. No problem. And then listeners, thank you very much for giving us the time. Uh, there could have been anything else that you could have been doing right now, but you, you know, you chose to listen, take your time and really learn and learn some valuable stuff from uh, Matt. And uh, we really thank you for that. And then clients and patients that work with us, thank you for cherishing and, and uh, understanding our value that we can provide um, and our passion. Because again, 
we can have all the passion in the world, but there's nobody to share with. It really means nothing. So we really want to thank you for giving us the opportunity um, to do what we do and to do what we love, you know. Um, and that's pretty much it. Thank you for uh, listening to Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. It would mean the world to me if you took the time right now to leave a review for this podcast. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with you and would love the opportunity to do the same with passionate people just like you. So please take the time to leave a five-star review and help bring value to more people. See you on the next episode. Hold up.